0: Everybody, welcome back to the po- dirt talk. Blah, blah, blah. Welcome back to the dirt talk podcast. As always, I'm your host, Aaron Witt, on a mission to make the dirt world a better place. After consulting my podcast app, I have learned that this is podcast number 65. And this week we have Mr. Randy Blunt of Blunt Contracting. Uh, Very exciting stuff. He has led the business for quite a few years, sold the business to W.W. Clyde late last year, and has been helping us just do better work for our partners since Blunt Contracting is, of course, a BuildWit partner. So really good stuff. Uh, Really enjoyed this talk. I love talking with Randy, so having a podcast with him was bound to be enjoyable, and we hope you enjoy this episode as much as I did. Here we go. We have a live studio audience today. <laughs> live studio audience. Benjamin Holmgren. He's uh, here for the weekend because we're uh, doing our 4 x 4 by 48 this weekend, us and chemo. Um, today, as I explained, Randy Blunt Formerly of Blunt Contracting.
1: Still of Blunt Contracting. Now
0: of Blunt Contracting, a W.W. Clyde company.
1: Um, Yeah, exactly.
0: And I'm excited to get into it because we were going to do this podcast late last year. Yeah. Before all this was public. Yep. And now things were exciting before, but now there's an even more exciting storyline here. Yeah. So Randy, how was your childhood? You grew up in the business.
1: Uh, yeah. So I grew up, <clears throat> my, my father was a, he drilled oil wells and then he moved into construction. Um, so my whole life I've been around construction. I think I joked that I learned to run <clears throat> a water truck at about 12, like so much so that I, th- I thought I could drive stick when I, you know, got into high school. Mm-hmm. Didn't realize that cars don't have like power takeoff, like a water it's a little truck. Different. <laughs> yeah, yeah. A little, little different. Yeah. You know, so you have to apply the gas when you let off the clutch, unlike in a water truck where you can just kind of let off the clutch. Um, uh, you know, my dad loved to run the motor grader. He kind of always t- touted, you know, he was a finished blade man. And I think there's still a lot of guys who would agree he was really good at it. Uh, and he loved to have me um, grade check in front of him and and try and do that in third gear just to make me run and, nice. you know, get exercise in. So. Uh, Around the industry, loved it, but like a lot of people, I'm not sure that I respected it a lot, if that's the right word. So Mm -hmm. I I decided I was going to college. I was going to get a degree in agribusiness, Uh, wanted to go do commodity trading. That's what I thought in in college. Um, But when I was 21, I had returned from serving a mission for my church and started to help my dad out, like, hey, I'll grow the business for you while I'm in college. And um, how long, before we get into that, how long was the mission? Two years. Oh, so you're
0: full two years, full full mission. And where was that to?
1: Yeah, so I, um, I so I graduated high school at 17. Worked in the business. Huh. Uh, went on my mission when I was 19. Served my mission in Brazil and then also in Florida. So that's how you got the Portuguese. That's why I learned Portuguese. And then mm-hmm. I had taken Spanish in high school and a year in college. And so um, it, when I was in Florida, I spoke in Portuguese and in Spanish and English. So, you know, I can get a, I can get get around pretty well in, in those two languages, Spanish and Portuguese. Or When you're in Brazil, were you in a big city or yeah, rural? So I, so I was both. So I was in the, the state of Espírito Santo, which is north of um, Rio and very rural um, jungle, uh, people living in huts, Mm -hmm. And then I I lived in in Rio. I also lived in Sao Paulo for a little while. Wow. Which was a great experience in that I remember uh, riding the bus uh, through the city and just having having this aha moment. And it was, why in the hell did I ever complain about driving a 1977 Chevy truck? Mm -hmm. And there's these hillsides, as far as you can see, with houses that are made out of tin, wood, and cardboard, whatever people could find. Yeah. So one of the best experiences uh, really just helped me, I think, be grateful for the U.S., be grateful for everything I had. You know, I didn't always... My, my childhood growing up, my ki- my parents, <clears throat> at, at different times, there were some drug dependency issues that happened, mm-hmm. uh, alcohol and drug dependency issues yeah. in, in their, their lives. They, they kicked... You know, they, they, they were able to get through it and uh, great people... Um, but there were some tough experiences as a kid and I think we can sometimes feel sorry for ourselves, but being there, I realized I got it good. And I had the jackpot. I had parents who loved me Yeah, and, and for the most part was able to provide for my needs. So.
0: Did you have to grow up, would you say you had to grow up a little faster than a normal kid yeah. going through something like that? Yeah. Cause I was at Arizona state. So when I was 19, I mean, I was, I've always been pretty grown up, so I wasn't I was still kind of an idiot, but not as much of an idiot as my peers. That time in life, you're really just
1: messing around. Yeah.
0: But you're on your own in a different country mm-hmm. as a kid.
1: Yeah. I mean, anybody who who knows some, you know, kids who've done that, they'll say, you know, you're still who you are. And some people grow up and some don't. Yeah, that's true. Right. Yeah. Like, yeah so yeah, yeah, some some yeah. some people I'd say definitely grow up some and some just yeah. screw off and they don't. But I think it really, I think it changed me. Yeah. Like significantly. I, I remember even just like my temper. Yeah. I played, I played football and it was like, okay. Almost encouraged to have a temper, right? Mm-hmm. Like get out there on the field and, and, and hit somebody. But I came up from a mission. I realized I was, I was a lot better at being able to analyze. Do they really know what they say? Yeah. What they mean. And, and, not fly off the handle. So there's a lot of good things that came out for me. Yeah, you've
0: talked about you having a temper in the past, and yeah. I just... It's very hard to visualize <laughs> because you're the opposite of that now. Yeah. It's just even keel it gets. Well... At least on the outside.
1: Yeah. I mean... Probably so, but anybody who's seen me lose it yeah, can, yeah. can vouch for me that uh, it's not pretty, and, and I try not to let that happen.
0: Well, you are a contractor, so...
1: Yeah, you have to be able to, right?
0: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, okay, so you come back from serving a mission for two years. You go to
1: work for the family business. Yep. So I go to work for the family business, go into college, um, newly married, got married very young, uh, 21, got married, uh, married to this day, same woman, Amazing. Amazing woman, mm-hmm. um, and uh, my dad gets in a car crash. Goes in to get a shot in his knee for for some damage to it, so he gets a cortisone shot. Develops a staph infection, ends up bedridden um, with a pick line to the heart, getting antibiotics. Um, <clears throat> and so, like, it, and then, like that was in like days. He went from healthy with a bum knee from a car accident to. In the hospital. And then... He's running the company at this time. Yeah. And then then weeks on end, in bed. Like, have to go help my mom get him to the toilet. Like, bad shape. Still at the time, though, I'm thinking, my dad's always been healthy, always been strong. No big deal. You know, we'll get through this summer. He'll be good. So we get through the summer. He's good. Has shoulder surgery to fix the shoulder from that car accident. Um, and then come... I want to say it was November, maybe December. He gets diagnosed with with testicular cancer, which is extremely rare for his age. Mm-hmm. Like after twenty six, that cancer is basically considered non existent in the male population. How old was he? Forties. Uh, he, he was in his forties, late forties. Yeah. Oh. So. Um, <clears throat> and chemo was really really tough for him. It was I can't remember the timeline, but he he noticed that he was having issues. Uh, went to the doctor and they thought it was just a like a an infection because he'd struggled with a staph infection. So by the time he actually got the diagnosis, um, it had mastocized and was kind of in all of his lymph nodes. <clears throat> so it was it advanced a lot and when he actually got to chemo, his his I don't know what the technical term is, but the like the, the amount of chemo he was receiving was a lot. And it was really tough to see a healthy, strong guy, you know, oil-filled guy, guy who fights and is tough and just just be just reduced to nothing. Yeah. So it was, that was tough. Um. So luckily, he beats cancer. I'll tell you there. <clears throat> there was some really dark times in that, and one of the things that was was interesting and people don't get to see is I'm, I'm growing a business um, for my dad. You know, take it from faxes and, and paper to a server and electronic and all that. And um, lots of good people are around me supporting me. Lots of people saying I'll never do it, you know, both sides of it. But I, I will say just for anybody who's who's maybe around that is... It was it was really different it was really difficult to see how hard it was for him, you know, like he was in a low, low spot. Mm-hmm. like I remember one time <clears> he <throat> came in and it, it had been just in a you know a very tough um, week or two after he received his chemo, and he actually asked me to take his guns out of his, his nightstand and go put them in his safe. and to hear that as a son is like, you know, it's kind of scary. like I don't ever picture my dad feeling that way.
0: Well, you you kind of grow up, especially a son to a father, you just, you view them as invincible. Yeah. Like they're just, they're without a doubt on a pedestal as you grow up. And then there's moments in time, especially as you start becoming like an adult where you start to realize, whoa, like it, it, like I remember when I first saw my dad, just a very vulnerable state Yeah, because my parents' marriage fell apart. And it was... It just, yeah, reframed things for me. Yeah. And it's it's hard to see. It is. It was hard
1: to see. And I think it was hard for me just in that, you know, I I was already the guy, the kid that was never going to be able to run the business, right? I'm a vice president at the time. I'm still in my early 20s, and I'm growing a business. And, uh, and then, you know, the guy who, who believes in me at the time is my dad. Mm-hmm. And to see him reduced to that, and to see just—I don't know—it was, it was a tough time. But then there's nobody for me to talk to about it, right? Like I, I didn't feel like I could talk to anybody because nobody could see me as being weak. No. Like I didn't even tell my wife half the time. We, me, my wife and I, just had this conversation probably a year or two ago about how hard it was and how dark it was, and she like didn't slap me, but verbally basically slapped me, right? Like, why the heck didn't you talk to me about that? And I was like, no. I was just scared. I didn't want everyone to—I didn't want everyone to know how hard it was and how scared I was.
0: Was it like, did you kind of have a, like, hey, I need to be strong for everybody because now I have to step up and run the show and yeah, people like, are saying I can't do it, but I need to prove that I can. And
1: Yeah. I mean, I think you know, society says men are tough and, and yeah. you can't be weak, right? And so I didn't feel like I could tell anybody I was scared or it was hard and I didn't want anyone to doubt me. So I felt like if I said, this is hard or I'm scared, that that meant everyone was going to doubt me. And I didn't need people to doubt me. I need people to believe in me. So I just acted like it was always okay. Hmm. Not necessarily suggesting that. I think I've learned now, like, you, yeah. can, you can have good friends that you can be very vulnerable with and and, and that'll support you. And it's a m- much lighter to get that off your chest. Yeah, and even if you're not
0: comfortable talking to your friends about it, just even in therapy, yeah, it's just... It's so nice to be able to
1: get it off somehow. Oh, for sure. My wife and I, we've decided all all of our kids will go to uh, therapy Yeah. once they turn 12, that every year they have to go see a therapist at least twice. Mm -hmm. And we've had friends who think we're kind of crazy and why would you do that? What's wrong with your kids? Like, there's nothing wrong with them. Mm. If you wanted your kids to be good at baseball, you would send them to a coach. We're just saying life's hard and- we have the means and we're, we're blessed and we're, we're grateful for that, but why not give them the opportunity just to go talk to somebody and say, how do I get through this, you know, and, and learn those tools early.
0: So how, how long, and I, I think that's great. I went as a kid too, which made it more, made it easier to get into it as an adult. Yeah. Interestingly enough, cause I'd kind of done it before. Yeah. Um, how long was your dad sick for?
1: So he was sick. I, you know, th- my mom, my mom could, could correct me on this stuff. Cause I, I don't remember the exact dates, but, um, I think he actually was completely cured of cancer in about two years. I think. Um, but his health was just never the same after, after the chemo. Mm-hmm. So like he'd come to work and he'd work hard for like a week or two. And then he'd be sick for a week or two. It's just, his immune system was different. Um, and so, uh, he, he had gotten better, um, but just had that, you know, he'd be sick and then not sick. And that, that continued. But luckily during that time, like I, you know, I had been able to find good people and there, I'm, you know, lots of good people are surrounding me. The company has gone from about 4 million to about 12. And, you know, so we're a pretty good size and him and my mom would got to go do a lot of cool things together. Mm-hmm. You know, when his health was good, they were able to go do his trips, traveling. And that's actually what ended up happening was <clears throat> he, uh, ends up going on a bear hunt and, uh, you know, he's up in a higher altitude, wasn't in the best shape or health from, from, uh, chemotherapy, uh, shot a bear. They tracked it all day. And finally the dike got dark, go back to, uh, camp and say they're going to go find it the next morning and he doesn't wake up.
0: No kidding.
1: Yeah. So I always wish I could have found that bear at least, you know? Yeah. But we never did. (laughs) So I was 26 when that happened. It was 10 days before his 51st birthday. So, uh, super surprising, but, um, but it happened, you know? So next day, uh, show up to work and, kind of had to double down on being tough because now the naysayers are, are real. Mm-hmm. You know? This kid's going to, you're, you're 26, is that what you said? 26, yeah. So your age. Yeah. You know, you, you, you've you heard this a lot. Like This kid's never going to make this happen or whatever, probably.
0: Yeah. I guess I I was raised in a position where anything's possible and I'm super fortunate to have been raised in that position. So even if I've, people have said that's that's ridiculous or who do you think you are? Yeah. It's never really registered with me. Good. It's, it's never, ever been, yeah, maybe they're right. It's, it's just like, no, I mean, I'm still going to do it. Yeah. Even though they say I'm not Mm -hmm. going to do it. And then they'll get it one day. And, and I've, I've, but I guess I've gotten lucky in that regard.
1: I don't know. No, that's awesome. For me, it was like, people said that and I, and I heard it and it did, it did make me doubt a little bit, but luckily between football and, um, between my dad just being an incredibly hard worker and me seeing that I just knew. And I tell my kids this all the time. Like one of the gifts I have, I don't have many, uh, at least in my opinion, but one is I can work hard. Mm -hmm. And, and so that's what I did. I just said, you know, I'm going to work hard and, um, so my dad passes away. My wife, she's pregnant with our third kid. I'm in school. Jeez. Um,
0: and you're so you you step in to run the company because you're the eldest.
1: Yeah, I'm. I'm not the oldest. I'm the oldest son. Um, oldest but, son. Yeah. But, but my sister, my sister works at the company at the time. My brother works at the company at the time, and my mother. So so our entire family, immediate oh, family, wow. works in the business. When he passes away. Yeah. Huh. So during the time that my father's sick. With cancer, you know, you never know how that's going to end up. So we had conversations about. So what happens if he does pass away, and what should that look like? And one of the things that he had talked to me about is, hey, I want you to take care of this, and I want you to get your mom's risk out of the business at some point, and Mm -hmm. I want your I want your siblings to get something spread out over time. I don't want anyone to get a lump sum of money. I just I think it's the right way to make sure that it goes well. Yeah. So. 26, uh, you know, business is, is, like I said, now around 12 million-ish. And we we realized we to keep growing the business, we kind of have to hit pause on growth. So we did for two years. Didn't really grow between 12 and 14 million for two years. No, three years between 12 and 14. Put in systems, added estimating software, changed to a more uh, complex accounting software. And then... Said, all right, let's go grow this business. And then from, so that'd be in six years, we went from about 12 to about 38 million.
0: Uh, It's pretty quick. And uh, we were talking about it earlier today. We've somewhat paused as a business. I mean, we've been growing very quickly from a people standpoint. Yeah. But from an acquiring new business standpoint, we haven't done much of that. Yep because we've had a lot of things to figure out and mm-hmm. you just you get to these different levels in business and now everything you used to do doesn't work anymore
1: yeah because because now you're now there's more people doing it and not just you and you have to learn yeah how do we make sure they do it right
0: yeah and then you get to the next level and yeah you're not involved anymore but now you've tripled the complexity of everything and the existing systems don't work anymore and that's different softwares don't work anymore and like the accounting software for example yeah. like that's a big Change that most construction companies have to make once they hit like ten yeah. million. I feel like it's like that ten million range yeah. where it's like
1: we got a job cost better. We, ooh, gotta, yeah, we got to- yeah.
0: Maybe we should stop using QuickBooks yeah. and find something more serious. Correct.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And but th- what's what's awesome about that though is is now my the position I'm in now, um, the the president I report to Dustin Olson. Him and I talk about this a lot. Like I know a I know the business at a different level of intimacy than he does. Because mm-hmm. I've all because I've had to, whereas he's always worked in a larger company so he doesn't necessarily have to understand like I've had to build a server and I've had to implement a server and I've had to understand you know what a SQL server mean and what so- you know what softwares run on that and yeah. by no means am I saying I'm an IT expert, but I've just had to understand the business at a different level than he has, which is which has been cool to see that because at the time I don't even realize I'm doing that like, yeah. that, that, I, that, I, that I'm learning things that other people haven't. It's fun it's fun to look
0: back on. We're I mean we we're joking today about the the name of the company BuildWit. Yeah. And I was just just how made up it is and you don't think about it at the time. And Dan was like, "Yeah, you you had no idea it was going to stick around like this when you when you made it up, huh?" I don't yeah. like. I had no idea, but you don't think of it at the time, but then you look back on it you're like, "Huh." Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I I figured it out and that was terrible or that was great or now we're stuck with it and it, it gives you a different perspective on everything, for sure. Um, so you guys, blunt, the company's interesting and it was acquired for a reason and yeah. that's because not only did you guys grow quickly because, I mean, yeah, it's fast growth, but yeah, a lot of companies have done that.
1: Yeah, and and you, you, I mean, you could grow faster.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah I don't want to downplay it, but also... It's, yeah, yeah. So great growth, but you guys, what I think is most fascinating and what I think is most led to why you really were acquired was you got really focused as a business in what you guys do and the work you guys take on and how you build. And so you went from just a contractor in Arizona Mm -hmm. doing everything Mm -hmm. From moving dirt to underground to a very focused contractor only taking on very specific projects
1: yeah. and becoming really good at them. So I love to read and listen to podcasts, listen to books. You know, I, well, I think a lot of contractors, we say we read, but we listen because we're on the road a lot. Yeah, a lot of
0: road time, yeah.
1: So <clears throat> listen to a lot. I I, read, I listened to one of Jim Collins' books, Great by Choice, which a lot of people are familiar with, Good to Great, but Great by Choice I think is better. And uh, he talks about the hedgehog concept in there, which he talks about in other books. And it just helped me realize we didn't have one. And the, the idea behind the hedgehog concept is – basically, you know, know what you can be best in the world at, know what drives your economic engine, know what you're passionate about. Mm -hmm. And we had to look at our business and say, there's things that we were doing that we either couldn't be best in the world at, didn't drive our economic engine, and or we weren't passionate about, and we had to cut scope, which is hard.
0: Yeah, like, what's the the decision like to say, we're not going to do utilities anymore? Because that's probably a huge percentage of your business.
1: Yeah, I mean, it, luckily for us, it wasn't. Yeah, you know, it wasn't like half our business, but it was a big chunk of our business, and our equipment and makeup was built around that and trench boxes and all that stuff. Um, it was hard, but you know, we really believed in what what that idea of hey, if we're not passionate about it and we it doesn't drive our economic engine, then how can we really be best in the world at it? And when we really wanted to be good at what we did, Mm -hmm. I think you look at anything in life that you enjoy, you usually are good at it, right? Yeah. And, and, you know, you want everybody in construction to enjoy what they do, to be proud of it. But if you suck at it, it's kind of hard to. And so uh, I felt like we're good at utilities, but we needed to be better, but it just didn't drive our economic engine. And, you know, just the margin wasn't there for the risk that was being taken And we had other business um sectors that we were involved in that drove our economic engine a lot better and so we said let's let's do this luckily we um we blunt and then ww clyde we kind of have this shared value uh and that is we value people um and that's a that's a value that ww clyde has that that we believed in before we were acquired so luckily when we made that change we were able to go to every one of those people and say hey this is what we're doing But we think you have a spot at the company still and this is what we're going to go do can you can you go learn this with us and try it out and so we really didn't lose anybody during that time most most everybody who wanted to stick around was able to so that was cool
0: how did you identify the opportunity that became drilling and shoring uh
1: we had been doing it kind of um we had done some shoring for projects uh we were subbing that out to a contractor uh, and we, what I, what I realized was like, man, I love this. I love the, the solving the problem. I love the complexity of it. And then we were seeing it was driving the economic engine. And <clears throat> I think it's uh, when, when something drives the economic engine and you're passionate about it, I think becoming best in the world at it, world class, is just a lot easier. Mm-hmm. And so we said we can, we can be world class at this. And uh, we made that decision very consciously. And I think we've done a pretty good job at it. You know, we're not the biggest in the country by, by far, but I think in 15 to 20 years from now, people will know us all over the Western US for, for what we, what we do.
0: And the acquisition has certainly accelerated that. For sure.
1: Yeah. Yeah. it It allows us to have a bigger footprint just, just internally with our sister companies.
0: Yeah. And I've, I've seen more and more shoring today than ever before, just because land is starting to become more and more valuable.
1: Yeah. And, and the, you know, the trend is, is still going to cities, you yep. know, maybe, maybe because of the pandemic, it's not the same cities, but ultimately if people are leaving New York or California, most of them are still going to a big city in like Phoenix, Phoenix, or, yeah. you know, here at Nashville, Denver, Nashville, Austin, Austin yeah. and, and they're still going vertical. Mm-hmm. And so I think uh, urbanization will continue. And I think shoring and basement and tunnels and, and the drilled foundations, all that will continue to grow. And I like it. A lot of people don't cause it's dirty work it's hard work. Um, and, uh, the margin for us has been good, but when you lose there, like it, it's no joke. Like it's, it's, I mean,
0: yeah, I was about to say when things go wrong, they
1: go wrong, They
0: go really wrong.
1: Yeah. 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 I mean, we won't throw anybody under the bus here, but go go, you know, Google, Google the 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 TBM that got stuck in Seattle and, and see how much that cost.
0: <laughs> and it's uh still in litigation to this day. Yeah,
1: yeah. exactly. Yeah. And it was all it over was one. Many pipe. years ago. Yeah,
0: one one pipe then. One pipe. Yeah.
1: We said we 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 told you it was there. No, you didn't. You didn't tell it was there. Yeah. And you, and it's funny because you're like one pipe overheated the seals on this this TBM got it stuck. And uh, I mean, that's basically what they've come down to. That's what it was. Mm-hmm. And just the, sh- the, just the recovery mission alone yeah. to get the TBM was, yeah. was, 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 I believe, hundreds of millions from what I remember of the claim.
0: And the, yeah, it, the project cost $1 billion more than it was supposed to because it hit a pipe. A yeah, small pipe, small steel pipe, yeah. Um, the, the, the thing with, and I see co- contractors try to do this a lot, is they try to do everything and they say yes to absolutely everything. And then you get in a cycle where you're bidding against everybody. You're not very good at one thing. Yeah. And you're not very profitable. And you can have massive revenue, but you're not all that profitable. And now you guys, and that was you know, big thing you believe in, and a big part of the acquisition was just profitability. You know, if you specialize in one thing, there's only so many people that can do it, and then now you're competing against Less people, so just that factor alone makes things yeah. a little bit better. And now you can get more into negotiated work, and there's a lot of opportunity in specialization
1: for sure. I mean, if everyone specializes, obviously there's going to be competition. So yes, I mean, there, yeah. there, there so there's a terrible there. <laughs> idea, guys. Bad, bad, bad. No, but but uh, there will there will inherently be con- yeah you know competition that is created by that. And that's okay. I think what's most important is if you're a contractor, figure out how is it that I can be best in the world at something? Mm-hmm. Because to be honest, we said, Hey, we're pausing growth. And it was conscious. But then once we kind of defined what were we going to do? And we said, we're going to be the best in the world at this and let's go do it. The growth just happened. Like it was like when we started talking in this acquisition, like how do you guys identify projects? We're like, well, they, they all come to us. And mm-hmm. Like you guys don't like go out and and find jobs. No, every one of the jobs we bid basically comes to us, and we turn down about ninety percent of the opportunities, and bid ten of them, ten percent of them, and win about two out of every ten we bid. That's where we're at. And so, um, what it allows you to do is to find the right projects that fit you. It allows you to be really good at things. That, that's that's probably the advantage of specialization. Is contractors we have a hard time training. It's just I I speak for myself and I believe I think it's pretty accurate in the industry. It's hard to train. So when you do twenty different scopes, it's just that much harder to make sure you're best in the world at it. Yeah.
0: Um what's beyond the obvious of making money, what's the benefit of being
1: profitable as a contractor? Oh sad. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, there's obviously, hey, let's 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 make money so we, you know, as an owner, I have more money in my bank account. Exactly. That's, I think that's, that's what everyone thinks, right? That's
0: the only goal to be. That's why I'm in business:
1: maximize my profits. Yeah. Which is interesting because I think most great businesses, and and I'm not sure that everyone would say our business was great, but I was really proud of it. Um, they recognize it's so much more than that. So, uh, profit share, right? So. If you can be profitable, there's more to share with your people. Um, if you can be profitable, you are then able to invest that profit back into the business and train. Uh, you're able to make sure that you're in a position where you can say no. Uh, we lost a million dollars one year, basically because we didn't say no, right? Like we, we, we lost a really big project and all this. We, oh, we were so worried about revenue. Hey, how are we gonna make back this revenue? So we started saying yes to everything, which we hadn't done in the, in the past. Mm-hmm. Yes, yes, let's do this, let's do this. Next thing you know, <clears throat> we're all working harder than we ever have. You know, me as the owner working literally 30, 36 hours straight and and bleeding money. It was hell, right? All because we weren't profitable, so we thought the only way to fix it is to do more, right? So, um, being able to say no isn't, I think, a, a huge value of being profitable because not every project's the right project for you. Um, I also think, just as an industry, and you know, I've talked about this before, and we probably, you probably even said it on here. Like, for the industry to do what we, we think it should, you know, to, to make the dirt world a better place, mm-hmm. like your guys' mission is, we have to recognize there is so much risk in what we do, we have to make more. Uh, I was just looking at statistics again. Uh, heavy civil contractors it's between 5 and 7% is the average profit margin. That's generous. I mean, some of the big contractors... is less. 2 to 3%. Yeah. And so what that means is one bad project wipes it all out. Mm-hmm. And then it's like, no wonder we can't compete with whatever the industry is, tech. Because we operate at such a small margin that we can't invest in our employees like they do. If we were all yeah. operating at 20%, and we can invest in our people like software, I mean, they, they wouldn't they wouldn't have anything on us. Now, do, are we going to get to 20%? Probably not because it's really hard for a software company to do $200 million or a billion dollars, but there's a lot of contractors that can do that. Mm-hmm. So, you know, is it inherently going to be as much? Probably not, but it needs to be more than it is. We, we need to be making more. It makes sense because we're, but the whole people problem,
0: quote unquote problem,
1: mm-hmm.
0: we're not competing amongst ourselves, no. Or competing with other industries. We're competing with corporate America. Yeah,
1: so that's me, the enemy. You and I millenni- are millennials, right? I'm, yeah. I'm 35. You're 26. Yeah, uh, I'm one of the older ones. Hopefully, hopefully that means I'm wiser. But I, I don't mm-hmm. know. Depends on who you ask. I, I've been I've been in meetings. Most of my peers are in their 50s. So I've been in meetings with other contractors, uh, one of these groups I'm in. And one meeting, finally, I just get frustrated because they're talking about how you know millennials don't work hard and all this stuff. And I'm like, you know what? I probably shouldn't say this out loud, but didn't you guys raise the millennials? So do you really think it's that they don't know how to work hard? Or did you teach them how to be smart? Like, wait, I can go work for a tech company and I can make as much or more than I can in construction. Mm-hmm don't work as many hours and I can be at home every day. Yeah. And I like, can use the company ping pong table. Are you yeah. kidding me? Right. Fantastic. Now I love construction and there's a lot of people who are in construction who, who were here because we love it and we're, we're okay with some of that and that's why we're here. But let's be honest, if we could fix that problem of, Hey, you have to work 60 hours a week and there's national companies, every, everyone who's in the business knows them. It's expected. It's, like you are, you're going to work 60 hours a week. We own you for the first where it five starts.
0: years. Yeah. 60s minimum. Yeah. Yeah. And to it, make a livable, well, or your salary, either your salary or, you know, you got to work a lot to make a livable wage a lot of times. Exactly. Yeah.
1: So, um, and so I've I,
0: talked about that.
1: Yeah. So I, but I think it's like, don't, let's not say the millennials don't know how to work. That's why they're not here. Let's be honest. They're smart. <laughs> mm-hmm. And if they can make more doing less, and have better work-life balance, I mean, they should. Yeah, it makes sense. I really don't blame a lot of these people at these mm-hmm. companies. Oh. I, and I, I mean, it's it for a guy like me, and, and I think even you've said this, it's kind of boring. Like, we get to go out and do be different places oh, see yeah. different things all well, the time. Well, that's why I'm
0: frustrated, because the jobs suck. Yeah, And that's like, I, I see so many people I knew from college in just garbage jobs right
1: now which is actually funny. So I, I finished my degree in agribusiness finance. I'm I'm preparing to apply for a doctorate program um, at, at Arizona State University or a master's program that's with uh, Utah State and the Royal Agricultural College of England. Jeez. Pretty pumped about them. And I talked to one of my buddies who'd graduated a few years before and he works for the Federal Reserve. And he's like, my job is so freaking boring. And it was just kind, yeah. of, this, it was just kind of this moment where I was like, I, I don't think I've ever had a boring day in construction. No. Stressful, yeah you know, wanted to fight somebody. Yeah. But boring? No. And then I was like, it was kind of like, that was like the point where over the next year I realized I love construction.
0: Mm -hmm. Well, that's why I'm more optimistic today than ever before is because if we can just get our shit together as an industry and learn how to treat people just a little bit better and be a little bit more thoughtful about things, we can compete with any industry out there. Yeah. Easy. Uh, Because we offer so much fulfillment and so much, yeah, satisfaction and and so much camaraderie and so many tangible benefits for
1: sure that most other industries can't even come close to. Yeah, and I make mean, my kids get tired of it, but like uh, I used to count project totals. I've been in, involved with about five hundred plus projects now. So, like my kids driving around the Phoenix area. Oh, they yeah. <laughs> I help. To, I, help with, I help with that project. I yeah. help with that project. Yeah. But at the same time, it it is cool. Yeah, like yeah, you are proud of it. And uh, a lot of industries don't get to do that. In.
0: No. A lot of people just in general never get to do that other than like maybe mowing the lawn
1: once in a while. Yeah, which is extremely fulfilling when you get to see perfect lines. Just, just throwing it out there.
0: <laughs> Absolutely. Um, one question I wanted to ask you before I forget is, so if you've seen blunt equipment online, yeah. you'll know it's not, you guys have a lot of well, Caterpillar, but it's not Caterpillar yellow. It's very unsafe cat,
1: it's very unsafe.
0: According to the people on the internet, <laughs> yes. The color of your equipment is extremely unsafe. I mean, gray. How,
1: how dare you paint something gray?
0: Extremely <laughs> unsafe.
1: Yes. Yeah. Um, yeah, so it's gray. Um, we call it blunt gray. Uh, now that happened. Um, let's think about when did that start happening. I Probably like about six, seven years ago. So my father had passed away and I kind of had this, this moment and we were in the office, we were in one of our operations meetings and I I grabbed all the admin people and I said, Hey, come in here real quick. I have a question for you. What color are the companies that we compete against vehicles? Can you name any construction vehicle? And uh, there's only a few Mm -hmm. they can name. I, I, you know, I probably shouldn't be shouting out or giving uh, advertising to other companies, but but Ames was one of them. Ames right? Red, Ames Red, yeah. Keywit, Keywit was one. Yellow PCL, and black. PCL was one. PCL, like those were like yeah. the, the only three that people could really name because they're unique. Oh, Sunt, Sunt was one. Sunt's Red, 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 Ma- red Malcolm red has that blue has color that blue to it for him, yeah. yeah. Um, and so I was like, man, there's, there might be something to this. You know, that kind of white Ford or Chevy pickup with a logo. There's just so many of them. Yeah. I mean, tell me white and I know. silver
0: pickup trucks.
1: <laughs> who, who, stupid. Who, who thought of that?
0: Stupid idea.
1: <laughs> so, uh, and then painting, like starting an excavation company and painting, painting a skid steer, the same color. I mean, come on. Really
0: stupid. Yeah. <laughs>
1: Which in full disclosure is a joke for those of you who don't know, he doesn't have an excavation company. <laughs>
0: Apparently some people got their Jimmy's rustled and thought we were starting an excavation company. Now, People thought also the skid steer was a joke.
1: Not a joke. Not a joke. It's real. You're going to get it. By the way, I've bought a lot of equipment from Caterpillar. They never once invited me to fly to pick it up. So kudos to Aaron. <laughs> I, I know people. Yeah. What can I say? You're first on Google. First first, first guy. Well, Google you Church. are too. And
0: <laughs> in, in full disclosure, we were Googling ourselves last night to make sure that we were ranking first on Google. Because that's what you do as a... A very high-powered marketing agency. <laughs> Make sure that your, your names rank first yeah. on the internet.
1: Yeah, no, it was, it was it was it was intrigue. So, but yeah, so we decided, hey, let's 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 toy with this a little bit. Let's do something. So we we started going with this gray. Um, I think the first thing we painted was one of our mechanics trucks, and it wasn't like a F six fifty mechanics truck. Old, had been just pretty wore out, but. Uh, it, the the economy wasn't, you know, it wasn't great yet. We didn't want to go out and buy a new one. So we paint it. And then like instantly the texts and the phone calls from people, man, your new service truck looks great. And I was yeah. like, huh, okay. Yeah. Then we're like, we used to replace some equipment. Like, let's try a few pieces of equipment. And then it was like, man, you guys are everywhere. We see you guys everywhere. And really, we hadn't really grown very much. Mm-hmm. And I was like, hmm. And then, you know, our trucks, and it was kind of the same thing. I see you guys everywhere. And I started realizing all that was was now we had a brand. You know, I had taken marketing classes, part of my business degree, and I knew that we needed to create a brand, have brand equity. But construction companies, we don't really do that. You know, we we worry so much about, well, then then there's my names out there and people are going to call me or sue me or whatever, right? We think about all the bad because-
0: Well cuz tr- traditionally it's been just low bid. Yeah. So it's like my brand doesn't matter. Yeah. I just if I have the best number, I got the best number. And there's we, there's a lot of companies still to this day that don't even put their names on their trucks.
1: Yeah. And and honestly, if that's your business, then that's, you know, then you, there there might not be a value in having a brand. Yeah, but like someone a
0: 26-year-old, I don't want to work for a company like that. Yeah. I want to be proud of the company I work for,
1: which is true. You you'd be surprised uh you know how many people come into our company, and that's how come, like it's a big deal. And and one of the questions is, so why gray? You know, like, mm-hmm. so why gray? Yeah, like, well, that's why I didn't ask. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So I wish I had a really good reason for this. This is the this is the this is the this is the the hundred million dollar question. I don't know that's really worth that much, but nonetheless, I, why I gray? Just,
0: I can't believe how irresponsible you guys
1: are <laughs> when it comes to safety it, and painting machines. Gray. So I saw a Ferrari. And it was this gray color. And I was like, that looks awesome.
0: And and for people that don't know like the color, it's like a cement gray. Yep, cement gray.
1: Yeah, is, that, is the color. Yeah. yeah. So actually, we do have some Toyotas that we can order that are close enough to our gray. We don't paint them.
0: Yeah, Toy- Toyotas, Ford kind of has a color like yeah.
1: that. I've even seen some Porsches with yeah, kind Porsche, of a similar... Porsche has a similar one. Yeah. So, but this is years ago and gray is not popular at the time. So I, maybe we changed... I, maybe we changed just how cool gray is because we were just, we we're just that well marketed.
0: There were, you know, <laughs> like many, many years ago, I would see your guys' machines around be- well before I knew you or uh-huh. knew even who blunt was. Yeah. And I was just like, what? what's up with those guys? Like, I was just so intrigued and it was so, and then there were rumors like all sorts of like, Oh yeah. Like, like they're, they're big in with empire and empire. Like, works it all out for them and you guys are big with empire yeah. but it, it was like
1: but we, but we weren't always
0: yeah 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 but uh it, yeah it was just so funny how people talk about it and how people in this industry people in this industry like to talk oh they
1: do they do it's
0: just like a bunch of little school children just chit-chatting rumoring this and that and word gets around fast
1: yeah so kind of it, we start. I saw the color. I thought it was be cool. We started with it, and then I just kind of fell in love with it. It's it's like kind of battleship. Somebody said once, "Hey, it's battleship gray," and I was like, "Yeah, oh, it kind of does." Yeah, it's and it's, it's kind of tough. Yeah. And I think people who work in construction industry are often tough. And I, I liked it. It's industrial. We do a lot of work in the industrial, and so we just kept with it. And then we had this uh, equipment package that we bought, I think in about sixteen, and we just said. When sixteen Quicken packages came out, we just said everything will be gray in that package, and it was it was sizable. It was twenty one pieces, I think, and so um, we spent the money, which isn't it's not cheap. Like I, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna lie, it's expensive. Yeah, but for us, it's like I have a billboard literally that is on job sites or on a truck every day in Phoenix. If you if you work in Phoenix, you know who our grading company is. Doesn't mean that we work for you, but you know who it is. Without a doubt. Yeah. yeah. If you're in Russia, you probably have seen a picture of one of our gray dozers.
0: Be- yes, yes. No, now, the funny thing is when, I know your wife's here. Yeah, that's all right. She, she's good. I just, I want to get into the acquisition real quick. Okay. When Clyde bought you guys, some people thought you were bigger than them. Yes. Because of the color of the
1: equipment. Yeah, so I had one of our clients who, um we were talking to them, and in and, and disclosure, Clyde's, four times. Well, WW Clyde's four times us. Yes. And, and then Clyde, Clyde companies is, many, many, is, many times. is another five times the size of the WW Clyde. So we're talking about a company that is about 40 million versus a company that is about 1.5 billion Clyde companies. Uh, yeah. The, the client was like, Hey, um, I was just surprised that WW Clyde bought you guys. And I was like, why? Like, well, aren't you guys bigger? And I was like, no, we're not. But, it's flattering, right? We actually also won a project um, in the Phoenix market of versus another company who's owned by a national brand, um, a publicly listed company, for the same reason. The, the PM said, we just decided not to go with them because we just didn't feel they were big enough. Uh, yeah. It's
0: crazy. But, but again, according to the people on the internet, it's really stupid. <laughs> yeah. Um, so the acquisition, how did that come to be? Because the company was not for sale. Mm-hmm. You're 35.
1: Yeah, plenty of runway. Plenty of runway. Plenty of opportunity. Yeah, I, I said it earlier. Just kind of, I don't know. It felt right. Um, so what happened is they came to us, and and I had, I had felt like I don't know. I didn't think I'd ever do this. Now I'm kind of thinking about it. So we, we I started talking to W.W. Clyde, and they were just good people. Like everything that they said, they did. And then we started understanding their values. I started seeing how many people were in their company for over 20 years. And I just started feeling like, if I'm gonna do this, then it needs to be the right people. And they started feeling like like the right people. And I had this experience in like 2012 where I met a business owner who didn't sell the business when they had somebody that wanted to buy it. And he told me, if someone is ever wanting to buy, that's when you're for sale. And I just started thinking, Mm. that was some, that's some good wisdom. Um, I like what I do. All of my chips are right here. All of them, every one of them stuck. What if I could diversify a little bit? Um, and, and so, uh, you know, we're religious and we believe in, in, you know, trying to be inspired and, uh, we, uh, we try to make this decision that same way. So we looked at all, everything, um, we looked at it financially, like I'm huge, hugely driven by financial metrics. So we looked at it and said like, Hey, how many years would we have to work to, to, to earn this? What would that mm-hmm. look like? What are the probabilities of there being a recession between now and then? And the valuation was very fair. Um, they didn't get it for a still. I didn't, I didn't, I didn't, you know, make some crazy multiple, very fair for both of us. And it was enough. And mean, my wife said, we don't want our whole lives to be about making money. We want to be able to do good in the world. And this allowed us to have a little bit more time and flexibility. And uh, so we went with it.
0: And so they they bought the company. It closed end of the year. Yep. Just before the year ended. Mm-hmm. And the whole thing, so you don't have any ownership of it anymore. No. And yet they still retained you as the leader of the business.
1: Yeah. I'm still like an executive um, within the company, and so um, I'm still expected to make sure it performs, and uh, I, I enjoy working with them, and, uh, you know, I'm, I'm in their organization now, helping them institute change within WW Clyde mm-hmm. um, on, on equipment. We're, we're running through um, different things. It, it's interesting, uh, I think I said this earlier, but, you know, because we had to grow our business the way we did, we had to be very innovative and analyze every decision, What's the best thing? When you're a hundred year old company, sometimes you just do stuff because that's how it's been done because you, you own the land, the assets, yeah. the market share enough that you can just do it that way. And they're a good company, uh, great people. They treat their people well. But there's definitely things they can improve on and they haven't had to because they didn't have the financial pressures that we did.
0: Well, and it's it's mutually beneficial. So they get they get a different mindset and a fresh look on the business. Mm-hmm. They get a new market. They're not in Arizona or they weren't yeah. before this happened. And then you guys want, you guys get the firepower of a much larger, large, larger organization behind you Yeah, to be able to take on opportunities you wouldn't have thought of going after before yeah, that.
1: For sure. I mean, we've, we've already bid projects. So we've already bid two projects that were bigger than our yearly revenue previously. This year, and and
0: that would, that would be ridiculous without an organization like that. But if you can tell them, like,
1: no, this is who's behind us, and, and we know we have good people to pull, exactly, yeah, yeah. Then what's the problem? Exactly. I mean, you don't. You would never want to grow that, in my opinion. Uh, people have done it, but growing that fast, where you had one project that was as big as your yearly revenue the previous year, is probably more often than not a sign for disaster.
0: It's I've known quite a few people that have done that though, and it's it sounds really cool until it happens and then Yeah, until woof. You,
1: you tell you get like feel like you're getting kicked on the balls every day. <laughs> That's one way to put yeah. it. Yeah,
0: yeah. You've you've said, you know, okay, we talked about the the money and the, the companies and this and that, but mm-hmm. you know, y- you guys had a lot of people working for you. Yeah. And now they work technically for they still work for Blunt. Well, but 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 really, we all work
1: for WW Clyde.
0: You guys all work for WW Clyde yeah. now, and at the end of the day, they're better off because now they have better benefits. Yep, and yeah. it's way more stable than it was before. I mean, you guys were fine, but yeah. now it's even more rock solid. Correct. Yeah, cooler opportunities, like mm-hmm. we just talked about.
1: It, it's really interesting. So acquisition, I would have never guessed. I knew, I've seen it happen, and I've heard about it, I, and so I knew that there, there would be some unrest around it but we we tried really hard to find the right company. Mm -hmm. And um, we did stuff like talk through wages, talk through benefits, all this. So nobody, pretty much everybody's received a a raise since they've started working for WW Clyde. Um, The 401k match was better. The profit share was better. The insurance cost less. So just in my opinion, all good things, but I'm still there but the perception was like, we're corporate now. Yeah. Which, by the way, W.W. Clyde's family owned.
0: Not uh, a very corporate business. Not a very corporate business. Yeah.
1: But that's the perception. And so I, I have to be, you know, I have to respect that that's the perception that a lot of people feel. Um, so that change in culture uh, surprised me. Like how many people, it's flattering now. But maybe I, I should look at it that way, that there was that many people who liked working for me and our family. Um, you know they would have oh how to work till you know sun sun down, sun up to sundown every day for your you and your family it's just not the same now flattering I think a lot of that's just really fear I think most of us get scared about change and what does it mean yeah but it's the same yeah but but it's a little different yeah it, and and people have have left yeah we have, so. we've had people leave because um, yeah. they wanted to or we've had to let some people go because they they just their reaction to the change wasn't acceptable and we needed to get, you know, get beyond it. So um, it, d- it does happen. I would say it's, it's interesting. It's just a life thing. That's interesting. Not, it doesn't necessarily have to be about mergers and acquisitions. It could be about a new boss or anything. It's interesting how sometimes we spend and waste time and energy worrying about the, what if and it affects our performance, and that's mm-hmm. and that's what we saw in some people. They were so worried about what if it changes that they didn't need to worry about what if it changed anymore because it really didn't fit anymore because they weren't doing their job, right? Yeah. And uh, we're all guilty of it, but definitely one of the things I've lo- I've learned over the years is just don't don't worry about the stuff you can't change, right? Like if your company gets acquired and you're in that company, don't worry about the acquisition. Just be the you and things will go well
0: mm-hmm. so I've seen a few acquisitions over the past year and it's I, I I wouldn't have ever thought that it would change the company dynamic as much as it does Yeah. based on that just level of irrationality mm-hmm. and and I don't know I, I didn't think about it before but watching it from the outside it's, it's really fascinating how people react to it yeah
1: One thing that I I was just thinking about is, um, we were talking about just kind of everything that was going on. Um, so just rewind just back to when my dad actually passes away. Yeah. Um, you know, having to work through, uh, estate planning and all that. And, and then on top of that, my wife, she finds a lump in her breast. She's pregnant with our third kid has to have surgery while she's pregnant. Like, scary time, you know, mm-hmm. like I lost my dad and now my wife could have cancer and or she goes to surgery and we could lose a baby. Uh cr- you know, crazy hard time for me personally, emotionally. Um, once again, just not, you know, not talking to anybody about how that is and, and uh man, if I could give just any advice to any business owner or anybody who's in a management role is, is find somebody that you respect. that can mentor you, that you can talk to stuff about Mm -hmm. like that. Cause I probably put myself in like some really dark spots. Um, Luckily, emotionally, I was blessed that like I could handle that and I got through it, but, but I didn't have to. Right. So I just say, if anyone's in a leadership role within a, in a company or even plans to be at any point, uh, I guess it doesn't really matter. If you're a man find somebody you can talk to, Big right? time, yeah. And, and if you, you don't, you feel like, hey, I'll be, it'll be weak if I say I go to a therapist Then I get that and, you know, you don't want to do it, that's fine. But make sure you have a buddy, even if it's a <laughs> drinking buddy, that you can just throw it out there on the table, like, dude, I'm struggling with this. Um, one of the organizations I was involved in after my father passed away was Movember a little bit and mm-hmm. um, cool organization, but it just sheds light on man, we need to be better as men at talking about how we feel, and, and uh, for anyone who's growing an earthwork company in the dirt world, like it's tough work, it really is. It's brutal. And uh, you know, if you're in a if you're in an organization, remember that the boss, he's got a pretty lonely job. I'm not saying feel sorry for him or anything, but just just it might be a good thing to think about. You know. Maybe one day, instead of telling him about everything that's wrong, asking him how he's doing and what you can do to help. Oh,
0: well, and it's it's helped me too. Like when someone's an asshole just out of nowhere. Yeah. Instead of saying, "Wow, they're really an asshole," thinking about, "Hey, maybe, maybe there maybe there's something going on here," and just giving people, I've learned to give people grace. Yeah. When or just they're being irrational, or there's all there's always something going on behind the scenes, and even if it's not you like hey so let's let's talk about this. What's going on, even if it's just you understanding that hey, maybe I shouldn't take this personally because i I don't know i they could be going through something, and I've learned as a, as a
1: business owner it's almost always the case, yeah, well I mean jocko doesn't he talks about that. I can't remember which book or which where it's at, but he talks about the one thing that scares me sometimes with people who, when they start uh, you know doing extreme ownership is when somebody's having a bad time, it's mm-hmm. like well then get the F out of here, right? Because uh, it's extreme ownership. If you can't do your job, then get down the road. But he he makes sure that's clear it's not the case. Yeah, yeah. And he says, yeah. one of the first things you need to ask is, hey, man, what's going on? Is everything okay at home? And he's like one of the toughest guys out there. Yeah, like we were joking last night. Like the guy could probably kill you if he looked at you.
0: Yeah, <laughs> like, yeah, like, yeah, like, yeah, like he, yeah. He's tough. And if he's saying that, then... Yeah, there's something to it. It goes for anybody. I guess to wrap up, uh, what
1: do you think your dad thinks of all this? or would think of all this? Uh, that's a tough one, right? What would my dad think of it? I mean, honestly, um, my dad and I, we would butt heads. Anybody who who knew um, our relationship well, like there's a, there's a time or two where I threw my keys at him and was like walking out the door. So if you're working in a family business and you don't always get along, you're not alone, right? It happens a lot. Um, I think it's because we were both very passionate and we were, we father, son. So you can be, you can treat each other differently. It doesn't mean you should, but you can. Yeah. Having said that, I would like to think he'd be super proud, right? Like we went from a $4 million company to 40. And one of the things he always said is, Hey, I named it blunt. Cause I was proud to put my name on what we do. Uh, that, that quote is in our office now.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Build something you're proud to put your name on. Yep. I'm proud to put my name on it. I'd like to think he would be too. I think he would really be uh, impressed with the gray equipment and, you know, the reach it gives us. I got in the last two days, I got three texts from clients just saying, Hey man, stuff looks good. I got pictures. Yeah. You know, Hammond and Flagstaff see your drill, killing it, thinking about you guys. Um, I think he would think that's super cool. Uh, the way that we exited the business and took care of our people, my family, I think he'd be respect. He'd he'd respect that. I I like to believe that after this life, I'll get to talk to him about it and ask him. And and I think that's I think that'll be his answer. Yeah, pretty cool.
0: Pretty cool stuff. Yeah, I think that's a. I think that's what we got. Go. Okay. That's all she wrote. All righty. How'd you get to your weekend? Sounds good. Man. Weekend away from the kids. Weekend away from the kids. Thanks for stopping by. Okay. And that is episode number 64 with Randy Blunt of Blunt Contracting. We appreciate you listening. Thank you so much. If you have questions or feedback for us, send it to alex at dirttalkatbuildwit.com is the email. We've been doing our Monday podcast, loving the questions. We need your questions to keep coming or else we're going to have nothing to talk about. we're just going to have to make stuff up and who wants to listen to that. So please send in your questions and feedback to dirt talk at buildwith.com especially if you have someone you'd like to recommend hey maybe maybe talk to this guy he'd be a cool guest or whatever it may be love to hear from you and with that we'll see you on the next episode of dirt talk thanks for listening